Tuesday, May 15th. This is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Allen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Jason Moser, from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager. Gentlemen, good to see you. Hello. Hey, hey. We've got earnings from Dick's Sporting Goods and Groupon. And if you enjoyed the social network, the Oscar-winning film about Facebook, boy, did we have some good news for you. Um, uh, one housekeeping note. It is a short week for us. We are having our Motley Fool annual meeting this week, uh, so we're going to be off uh, the rest of the week. But don't worry, we'll be back on Monday. We'll and, be back. And Motley Fool Money will be up uh, earlier than usual, so check it out on iTunes. Let's start with the earnings. First quarter earnings for Dick's Sporting Good up 34%, uh, shares up 7% this morning. Jason, this is uh, one of your picks in your Rising Stars portfolio. What's the story here? The story is that people like sports, Chris. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's it's to me, it's not surprising. I mean, Dick Sporting Goods has done a really good job of expanding their geographical footprint, building stores uh, more out west as they sort of expand that reach across the United States. And their store within a store concept is very compelling. I mean, I don't think that sporting goods are typically the kinds of things that people just buy mostly online. I mean, when they do, they know what they want. But a lot of times, people really want to go into the store and experience, you know, the racket or the clubs or whatever it may be. And uh, so you have a company that's really well run here, a management that's bought in, a real long term focus there on building the company to succeed for you know, 10, 20 years down the road, uh, really working on building up that, that margin line as well. So they're becoming more profitable in, in retail, which we know is historically very thin margin. So a lot of good things to take away. Is there any seasonality at work with a company like this? Because I know we've talked before about companies like Home Depot, which also reported yep. earnings today, um, and some of these companies where they're citing the weather in their earnings because it was a mild winter, more people going to Home Depot doing home improvement projects or maybe doing their getting an early jump on their gardening that kind of thing. Does that sort of thing factor into this quarter for Dix as well? I think it does. And you know, I mean, I don't like to go into these earnings reports with the, you know, the first excuse or the first reason why they succeeded being the weather, but the fact of the matter is you do have to account for that. So if we look at something like Home Depot for example, we know that last quarter was uh, the weather was a little bit warmer and they were calling that out saying that it had, it had brought more business to their stores. This quarter uh they missed the numbers and I think a lot of the reason for that was because when the weather was warmer, people were starting their home improvement projects or whatever it may be earlier. And so they weren't having to do that as much this quarter. With something like Dick's, though, I think it's a little bit more of a perpetual thing. And when the weather's warm, people want to go play golf. They want to get outside and play tennis. They want to go run, whatever it may be. But it's a more perpetual thing as opposed to a one-time sort of home improvement. So I think Dick's Sporting Goods is going to see the benefits of better weather going throughout the year, whereas something like Home Depot, they're going to see sort of a you know a quarter there that, get, that gets hit uh, because of exceptional performance the quarter before. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. And you really got to hand it to Dix. This was an amazing quarter. Big Five Sporting Goods actually saw their comps drop 2.9% this quarter, and Dix was up 8.5%. That's a big number. That is a big <laughs> whopping difference. So you got to <laughs> hand it to them operationally and market-wise, or marketing-wise. Shares of Groupon up 16% this morning after first quarter revenue came in better than expected. Uh, Joe, the company also raised guidance for the second quarter. What do you think? Well, stock was up 18% on Monday, too. So that's just a huge turnaround in a matter of two days. That really has to do more with the low expectations than the great results. Everyone has more or less written off this stock because it's such a competitive space. CEO keeps sticking his foot or a beer in his mouth and it's <laughs> getting them in a lot of trouble. And it just keeps growing up. They've had material weakness with their financial controls, which is a serious issue. So a lot of problems. But 
Last quarter's results were strong. Revenue's up 89%. And more impressive when you cut through the numbers is that their marketing spend dropped, but their number of users went up. And that's been a big concern about Groupon is their ability to keep bringing in new business without having to spend a lot more. And this was the first quarter, I think, where they actually demonstrated what looked like could be you know, somewhat of a growth runway and a little more of a viable business model than we give them credit for. Yeah, I was going to say, Jason, we, we certainly have talked in the past about Groupon, a, a, a very, very rough 2011 for that company and that CEO. But, um, you know, this quarter, they, they, they you know, it, when you look at it, do you think, well, maybe they've actually turned a corner here? Perhaps. I mean, I certainly wouldn't draw that out. But uh, personally, I mean, I, you know, Joe makes a lot of sense there. Their expectations were relatively low going and our investors' expectations were relatively low. So, you know, excellent top line revenue growth. You got to you know, hats off to him for that. Uh, I think that this is still a relatively uncompelling space. I just find it to be a very competitive uh, space. There are really no barriers to entry, no moat there in the business at all. And I, I, t- I tend to believe that as the economy improves, albeit very slowly, their value proposition just loses its luster as time goes on. And so, you know, I, long term, I still don't really have any interest in a business like this. I mean, I think it's great that they, they had a good quarter, uh, but, you know, that's all it was really to me. Joe, the shares are still trading below the IPO price. Value play or value trap? I'd still say a trap, but I can see a scenario where Groupon actually coasts out of this. So the past quarter or two, everything has gone wrong for them. But last night's quarter and results showed that they could actually get some growth trajectory without having to spend everything they've got on marketing. If they're able to post another couple quarters like that, I do think the stock's going to make a big run. I would also add there that it is a heavily shorted stock. And so yep. when any of this good news comes out, that's why we see these real big pops. Yep. Um, it's a little bit sort of over, over the top admitted. Uh, but you know, when you see a heavily shorted stock like that, beware that, that market reactions like this are very short term in nature. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this thing coast back down a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Well, we've talked before about hot online IPOs, and and obviously we've got the Facebook IPO coming later this week. But Joe, you were looking at uh, the numbers behind one of the other big internet IPOs of 2011, LinkedIn, and it seems like there's some good growth there. Yeah, well, everyone wants to talk about Facebook this week. So in an effort to add some context around that, (laughs) I've been trying to look at some of the other big IPOs, and one of those is LinkedIn. And honestly, it seems a lot more attractive to me than Facebook. Uh, When you actually start digging through the numbers... So LinkedIn looks cheaper. It's selling for about 18 times sales, which still by any normal measure is huge. Google is five <laughs> times sales for a little context. So 18 times sales at LinkedIn. looks like Facebook is going to IPO around 25 times sales. LinkedIn grew 101% last quarter. Uh, Facebook did 45. And when you dig into the numbers a little bit, you'll see that they actually make the same amount of revenue per user, which is pretty impressive. And that basically says that LinkedIn is monetizing its customers just as well as Facebook. When you actually go back in time, you see that LinkedIn is growing its rate faster than Facebook is in terms of revenue per user. So put it all together, and I think it looks relatively interesting compared to Facebook. Wait a minute. You went back in time? (laughs) I took the machine, the DeLorean out back. Were you on that island and lost? Exactly. So I think Joe makes a really good point there in regard to the revenue per user, because if you look at the numbers there, Facebook has around 900 million users versus LinkedIn's 160 million or something like that. Well, if they're making comparable revenue per user numbers, well, think about just the fact that 
there's still probably a pretty good run- runway of, of growth opportunity there for LinkedIn to gain more registered users. Granted, it's a much more specialized service, and there's a reason behind it. Uh, you know, I don't know that you're going to see Facebook really doubling their registered you know users anytime soon. Now, you know, the flip side of that is that really the investment in any one of these kinds of an investment in any one of these kinds of companies is a bet more on the future of what they're going to do with all of that information because that's the real advantage, especially with a company like Facebook, is the amount of information that they have. The bet you're placing is what are they going to be able to do with that information? Are they going to be successful in in being able to monetize it? LinkedIn so far has done a good job. Yeah, well, one of the things I really like about LinkedIn is we're actually a customer of the service here at The Fool. Our HR department loves it. It's actually our second biggest recruiting spend behind The Washington Post. And, you know, that's pretty fascinating because a lot of people, itself included, kind of misread what LinkedIn is about. You know, my initial impression when they went public was... I don't use this site very often. Like, I don't need to perpetually update my resume. Right. But that's not how they make money is through, you know, user activity. They they do serve up ads, which are hyper-targeted and very successful, but 45% of their revenue comes from more of kind of a a membership-focused, HR-focused side. And those revenues are stickier, and I think there's a long, long runway for them to gain a lot of market share and just totally disrupt the headhunter space. Well, yeah, and just uh, on that note, um, Joe and I were talking with our colleague, Kara Chambers in uh, our HR department. And it's not just that LinkedIn is our um, second biggest uh, spend for our HR department in terms of recruiting. Um, we only have two spends. Like that was one of the things Kara said was LinkedIn has essentially enabled our HR department to eliminate all of these um, other uh, sites that we were using in the past. Um, and it's, it's, it seems like, at least in, in the case of our HR department, one highly satisfied customer. Well, I think they really have to. If they can keep that up, that's going to be really important because we all, I mean, I'm assuming everybody in here knows at some point or another, you know, the, the just mundane task of going through something like monster.com and knowing that you're not going to really find anything out there that's for you or, or you know, anything that you're really interested in. So if, if LinkedIn really, if they continue to do a good job of aligning people with the, the types of jobs that they're looking for, aligning companies with the types of employees they're looking for, that's going to just help create that word of mouth advertisement as well. You know, more and more small businesses particularly will subscribe in, and I think LinkedIn has a chance to really grow that revenue as time goes on. Uh, back to Groupon. CBS has given the green light to a sitcom entitled Friend Me. It's not about Facebook. It is about two friends who moved to Los Angeles to work for Groupon. Um, what Groupon Me was already saying? I, I guess. Um, I don't know. What do we think of this? I mean, this. Uh, it's a mixed metaphor for one thing <laughs> Friend Me and Groupon. Maybe this is one of the ones where they had the concept, they sort of knew the ending already, and they started writing it backwards, and we're just going to be we're going to be led up to a very ironic ending that involves Facebook and Groupon and some kind of... It could be. I mean, there was one story I saw online that, that said that back in January, when this, I guess, was in development, Groupon did not really have any direct involvement with it. But now that it's gotten the green light, <laughs> who, like this could be something where Groupon is featured... I mean, if nothing else... It's about two guys who go to work for Groupon. The name Groupon is going to be said multiple times in every episode. Yeah, it's like free advertising. It's like the Blockbuster commercials where they said you can't get this on Netflix. Well, don't make the point there. I mean, you're just giving Netflix <laughs> free advertising. Yeah, I don't know it's going to be the advertising they want. Uh, I've known some Grouponites, and they're an interesting bunch. Um, I mean, the company's just growing at an insane rate. And this guy I know that works there told me he was there for about three or four months. Well, we were talking, he'd been there three or four months, and something came up about new people coming in the door. And I was like, well, I mean, you're pretty new. He's like, oh, no, I'm a veteran at Groupon. I've been here three or four months. <laughs> an old salty dog. I was like, wow. 
Um, you know, when I saw this story, my first instinct was to just dismiss it, make fun of it, you know, like, okay, a, a, a two, two buddies having wacky adventures at their job at a, at a dot-com in California. Um, and then I saw the news that yesterday, Ancestry.com, uh, shares were down 14% on the news that um, uh, Who Do You Think You Are, the television oh, show yeah. that, that basically Ancestry.com backs, um, is not going to be renewed for another season. So I, I don't know. I look at this and I, I, I have to resist the urge to make fun of this and say, you know what? This, this could end up being a plus for Groupon. Very well could. Yeah, yeah it know. could be. I, I'll say with Ancestry, this is definitely a moment of truth where – that TV show, a lot of people think, on especially on Wall Street, that that's what's been carrying the results, bringing in new people. You know, without that, it's going to be tough to get them in the door. And if they're not able to keep proving that they can get people in, it's going to be tough times for that stock over the next couple of years. If you're pitching a sitcom to CBS, who apparently is willing to just you know greenlight do anything, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what 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 publicly traded company would you set a sitcom at? What do you think is so? Sort of- I'm I'm. Going back to these two gifts that just keep on giving and Jamie Dimon and Aubrey McClendon. And so the name of my show would be Ousted. And we have these two CEOs who've been ousted from their jobs by shareholder votes. Oh. And now they're forced to live together to sort of make their lives going on from there. And so there's kind of like the odd couple of our generation. I was going to say it's like it's odd couple meets two broke girls. Well, there you go. And so Ousted. I see, I see it really happening. Mac, Max with me. Max giving the thumbs up. What do you think, Joe? How about something on Netflix? With Reed Hastings. The guy's interesting. Look at all the scropes he's made, and he's got a goatee. (laughs) I like it. If anyone from CBS Development is listening, give us a call. Drop us an email, radio at fool.com. Jason Moser, Joe Mager. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Uh, As I said, that is it for this week. We will be back on Monday. Check out Motley Fool Money uh, on iTunes just in the next couple of days. Our guest this week, Dan Gross from Yahoo Finance, uh, talking about his new book on the U.S. economy. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.